Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. This WBEZ podcast is supported by the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Suicide is a topic that hides in the shadows. It's time we talk away the dark, learn how to spot the warning signs for suicide, and how you can have an open, caring, real conversation to help save lives. Visit the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention to watch the new short film and learn more at AFSP.org slash talkawaythedark. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset. Thousands and thousands of new arrivals, shelter limits, an intake center to reapply for a place to stay or to leave the city. Does any of that sound familiar? Well, that's all happening in New York, too. While there are plenty of differences between each city, there are also opportunities to learn from how New York is responding to the influx of new arrivals. New York City has been evicting single adults for months and started enforcing a shelter limit for families a few weeks ago. As Chicago's new deadline approaches, we get insight into New York's process from Julia McDonald Nieto Del Rio, a reporter for Documented. That's a New York news platform dedicated to immigration news. And Chicago Sun-Times reporter Michael Loria, who's been closely covering migrants here. Michael started by sharing what differences stood out to him in how Chicago and New York have handled the migrant crisis. I've been reporting on this pretty closely for several months now. And one of the things I've kind of noticed is that if you want to kind of get a sense of what's going to happen in Chicago, you just got to read the news in New York. Um, So I was following kind of the fallout of the shelter eviction policy there, trying to get a sense of what to expect here. Um, As you know, it's supposed to have taken effect here, but not quite yet. Uh, And I mean, I guess the sort of main takeaway people have told me is to expect utter chaos. Hmm which sounds drastic, but I guess it is. Julia, would you say that's accurate? Utter chaos? It's definitely been a chaotic situation here in New York. Um, City Hall says that about 23,000 single adult migrants now have hit their shelter stay limits. Um, and, and we see this very much on the streets in New York outside the uh, so-called reticketing center in East Village. Mm-hmm. There are hundreds of folks lining up um, every day who have been evicted from shelters after their 30-day limits looking for a new bed to sleep in. And right now, the average wait time for a placement system-wide is about seven days. But I've met many migrants who have been waiting um, significantly longer than that mm-hmm. to be wow. placed. And you quoted there are about 23,000 who have hit their their, their limits. Help us understand the, the even bigger scope of this, Julie. I mean, how many migrants have actually come through New York City since this all began in, in r- roughly August 2022? Right. So um, since the spring of 2022, 172,000 migrants have come through New York City's care. Um, about 68,000 of those are still in city care now. City Hall says that more than 60% of the people who have been in the city's care have left the system, but obviously um, that's still a significant amount. And while people are waiting um, for shelter placements, they're being placed or 
are being referred to drop-in centers overnight, but these centers don't have beds to sleep in, don't have showers often, and don't have warm meals. So they're not shelters per se, right? They're they're very different. And as you noted, um, just two weeks ago, the city also began evicting migrant families from shelters mm-hmm. who have reached their 60-day limits, and that's about 350 families so far that have hit their shelter stay limits, too. Before I, I turn it back over to Michael, Julie, I want you to make something clear for us, because New York, uh, as we, we've, we've heard it, it has a much bigger shelter system. You also have what's called a right to shelter. Can you clear that up for us? What does it mean? Right. Um, So the right to shelter directive, which was first implemented in 1981, basically meant that anyone who sought shelter in New York would be given a place to sleep. Um, But that has really disintegrated in the past six months or so. Um, The city has said multiple times, as Mayor Eric Adams has said many times, that really um, we have no more room, he has said. Uh, So they've kind of been picking apart this this right to shelter um, and been opening many emergency sites um, for folks. But it means that migrants who are now requesting um, a, a place to sleep may not have a shelter in the traditional sense, but are instead um, might be referred to these drop-in centers that I mentioned, which yeah. are basically big um, rooms where all of them sleep together without beds. So it's really changed. The directive has really changed um, over the past couple of months as New York has hit um, what they call capacity yeah. um, for being able to take in new folks to the system. And Michael, those are some big numbers we're hearing from Julia, right? You know, well over 100,000 folks since the spring of 2022 and yeah. 68,000 still, you know, in city care. How do right. those numbers compare to what we're seeing here in Chicago? Right. I mean, the scale of that is just tremendous. I mean, in Chicago, it's we've had about 35,000 that have come through the city's care. Um around 14,000 or over 14,000 that are in shelters at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, those numbers in New York are kind of unimaginable, but I think maybe one of the things here in talking about the right to shelter um, law, one of the things I think maybe it's created a little bit of a difference here is that for months right over the summer, we had migrants basically camping out by the thousands outside of police stations, um, which I think has made the the issue incredibly visible here and mm-hmm. something that has gotten people. And that both, didn't happen in New York. Well, I, I'm not, I'm not sure. I mean, at least not camping out at police stations. I'm sure folks have been homeless other places, but Julia can definitely. Julia, were, were, were migrants sleeping in police stations in New York city? I hear of that specifically happening in New York, but when it, when it did become a very um, visible, um, kind of crisis, mm-hmm. as, as the mayor called it, was last summer when you saw many images of um, migrants sleeping outside the Roosevelt Hotel, the main intake center for migrants in New York, um, sleeping on the sidewalk outside. And now it's become even more visible as these lines outside the East Village reticketing center um, are clear every day. Um, So not maybe in the same sense. I think the right to shelter, um, at least at the beginning, very much uh, kind of helped folks find a place to sleep. Right. But but that's kind of definitely changing now. So, Michael, talk about how limits have worked here and and remind us why we're now in the midst of a delay. Right. So the 60-day limit is something that all migrants getting into shelters are supposed to have a sort of 60-day stay. 
and uh, they were supposed to start taking effect. People were supposed to start leaving shelters um, a couple of weeks ago. That was delayed because of the cold, delayed again because of the cold. Um, but the way that it's supposed to work is going to be similar to how it's played out in New York, where folks ex exiting shelter will be able to go and reapply for a shelter space. Uh, here in Chicago, they'll go down to what's called the landing zone, the city landing zone, where there will be um, state tents where folks can reapply for shelter. And in the meantime, uh, the city said they'll they'll send buses for folks to stay on. This is CTA buses where they can stay on and stay warm. Mm -hmm. Of course, um, so-called warming buses. Right. And people were already staying in those. And um, I heard a lot of complaints from people that they weren't, in fact, that warm, especially when you're staying on them for multiple days and it gets wet. But mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Uh, we heard Julia talk there about, you know, the mayor, uh, Eric Adams, saying we have no more room when it comes to, you know, imposing uh, these shelter limits. What are we hearing from the Johnson administration, though, here in Chicago, Michael? Yeah, it's. I mean, it's a similar um, sort of take on it. And I think that, you know, I th they're trying to implement these rules, I think, for similar reasons, or so they say, you know, to try and um, get folks to, uh, I suppose, motivate them to try and find shelter on their own um, or find somewhere else to stay outside of Chicago. Um, it also feels like a little bit of a not-so-subtle message of saying, you know, please don't come. We don't have any more room. We don't have the budget for more people to stay here. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. yeah. I'd love to hear from you both on this. Uh, I mean, Julia, you first. I mean, Chicago doesn't do what what is happening in New York. We, we don't split up the limits by, you know, solo adults and families, right? Uh, how do you think that changes the support that folks are getting? I think for many of the single adult migrants that I've spoken to, 30 days feels very quick for them, especially with how long it takes to get work authorization. So as soon as they might feel settled um, in a certain space, um, kind of figure out the subway system, et cetera, um, they're suddenly having to go back to sleep outside in this line, um, go to a drop-in center that may be far from East Village, and then being placed in a different place only for 30 days. So for them, they have said that it kind of takes away this, any sense of stability um, that they might have. And, and for families too, I mean, some of the families who've been evicted have been staying in, in the hotels um, for as long as a year. And, and many that I've spoken to have expressed extreme gratitude for the city for, for providing um, this place, but some have been there for, you know, a few months um, and their kids have, you know, gone to school in the area. Um, mm -hmm. They've gotten to know their classmates. That's a really big challenge for them in terms of changing schools and, and changing up the stability for their children too. I think um, 60 days for some of these families feels pretty quick as well. Yeah. Tell us more, uh, Julia, about the conditions that you're seeing at the intake centers in New York. Sure. Um, so at the intake center in East Village, um, it's it's been, you know, below freezing, especially last week for several days. Um, many of the migrants have to wait hours in the line outside to even enter the intake center. Mm -hmm. um, some then once they enter, they're told to come back the next day, um, which means they have to go now find a place to sleep. It's dark outside. Um, they're referred to some of these drop-in centers. Some decide to just sleep on the street outside the intake center so that they can be first in line the next day. So many also come from West Africa and Latin America, places where they're not used to this frigid climate. Um, and so they've 
many have told me that they've been feeling sick. Um, you know, they haven't had warm meals in days. So, so those are some of the conditions yeah. that the single migrant adults are facing. Yeah. Michael, do these centers resonate with what we're seeing at the landing zones here in mm-hmm. Chicago? Right. I think, yeah, some of the something to point out pretty quickly is that there's a big structural difference here like at least in new york yeah there are people sleeping outside um but at least there are buildings um here at chicago's uh intake center there's you know a series of tents that are not set up for people to stay inside of Mm -hmm. um like when people were staying there earlier in the month on buses the city said they're going to send buses down there where i guess folks are going to have to sleep on again but judging by how many people are supposed to exit shelter in the next couple weeks I'm really curious to see um, if the city, if Chicago is going to open up its own sort of drop-in centers for people to stay at overnight as well. Yeah. Uh, Julian, not everyone is reapplying for shelter there, right? What are their options? Where where do they end up? Right. Um, So some folks have ended up in other cities, including Chicago. Um, I've heard of folks going to Pennsylvania, going to New Jersey, um, you know, staying in a room with a friend, trying to rent an apartment, even if it's for a month. Um, because they they have been, you know, they know that these shelter limits are coming up and that they may have to reapply in 30 or 60 days. So um, some people are leaving New York or even going upstate. So that's that's definitely happening, but that comes with its own challenges. I've spoken to families who don't know if they'll be able to pay rent beyond uh, one month, um, who don't know if they'll be able to enroll their children in school. So kids have missed weeks of school mm. um, in between the move and challenges enrolling their kids in school. So um, people have definitely moved out of out of city care. As I said, City Hall says that more than 60% of people who have been in the city's care have left the system. Um, but there is a question mark around what that looks like for them. Is that uh, necessarily yeah. an easier or better space for them? Yeah, there, I mean, there are consequences to leaving the shelters, right? Right, right, exactly. Um, some of which, of course, I, I just mentioned, um, and especially as work authorization takes time, um, it, it's been hard for many folks to find stable work. And that's been the biggest challenge that I've heard um, from folks trying to leave the system. They want to leave the system, but how can they leave the system with these astronomical rents in New York with mm-hmm. unstable work conditions um, and, and similar situations? Michael, we heard Julia mention there that, you know, folks are leaving and, and some are coming to Chicago. Mm-hmm. In fact, Illinois is a top flight destination for migrants leaving New York City. This is according to data that was shared by the uh, New York City mayor. What do you think might be behind that? Why are they choosing to come here? That's a good question. Um, I think part of it might be sort of, um, I mean, again, both Chicago and New York have been sort of the leaders in providing shelter. I think that's probably having to do with the answer there. Um, Also, maybe Chicago has gone even a bit further than New York to the extent that, uh, well, I should say Illinois has gone a bit further to the extent that they've been offering rental assistance to people. Of course, that's no longer an option for folks arriving in the city. So I think that's part of it. But um, I I still don't think it's, you know, not not really a a tremendous number of people um, in terms of the, the total number of arriving. But I've definitely met a couple, you know. Mm-hmm, for sure. Uh, Julia, the landing zone in Chicago that we've been talking about, which is where, you know, buses of new migrants are sent to and, and where people evicted from shelter will go to reapply to shelter. I mean, it, does it make sense to have this all in one centralized place? What do you think? Or has it been helpful in New York to just have the intake centers be more split up and serve different purposes, as you've described? I think... 
from what I've seen here, it's it's been pretty chaotic either way. For families, at least the centralized intake center has been the Roosevelt Hotel, and that seems to be a pretty kind of well-known spot for families, especially for single migrants. It's been um, definitely more chaotic. Some show up to the Roosevelt Hotel and said they were told to go to the East Village reticketing site. Some even go to the DHS shelter intake site for single men that migrants are being sent to at the very beginning of this humanitarian crisis. It's There's kind of a lack of information um, about where really, especially single adult migrants are supposed to go. Um, I think right now what's happening is many are being sent to um, the reticketing mm-hmm. site in East Village, um, which uh, as, as we said, also there's, there's hmm. definitely some issues outside with that, with the line and everything. But I think, um, yeah, I guess each city has its own own way of dealing with it and its own chaos in this difficult situation. So leave us with this, Julia. What do you think that Chicago could learn from New York's response? Well, I definitely think that in the future, um, you know, there are going to be the, the consequences, I think, of these evictions are already starting to become clear. Um, some of the challenges that I spoke about earlier, I mean, changing changing uh, schools for kids, um, more people sleeping outside certainly than before, having these drop-in centers where um, there aren't real beds for folks to sleep. I mean, it sounds like Chicago is already dealing with some of that, but um, it's going to be potentially on a much larger scale. So really having that infrastructure prepared um, for more folks to be needing even just a place overnight to sleep because a lot of these people are just going hour by hour, day by day, um, and are are still relying on city services because of that lack of work authorization. So I think potentially Chicago has to face what they're facing now, but on a a much larger scale. So um, the infrastructure may, may need to be larger and different. And we'll have you back, Michael, in future to give us the latest and see yeah. how we're doing. We'll have to leave it there for now. We've been talking with Julia McDonald Nieto Del Rio, who's a reporter for Documented, a New York news platform dedicated to immigration news. And Michael Loria, of course, from the Chicago Sun-Times. Thank you both. Thank you. Thank you so much. This episode of The Reset Pod was produced by Max Lubers, and it was edited by Meha Ahmed and Ethan Schwab. If you liked this episode, well, consider giving us a rating. It helps people find our content. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We'll talk again this afternoon. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.